What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Opinionated Off Topic. Today, I'm with Carlos Mojica, co-owner, co-founder of Opinionated Me Media. I'm Cam Theory, and I'm also with Eli, or the Golden Cricket, or Cricket Lord MMA, whatever he decides to go by. But we're about to have a great conversation with him. Met him probably like two, three months ago. Is that like the beginning of the summer? Uh, we're going to get him on a long time ago. Things kind of fell through, but it's super good to meet him in person, connect with him, and He's hilarious, great dude, and I love what he's doing. He does a lot of stuff, jack of all trades. So I'm going to dive into his story, and uh, hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hell yeah, dude. We're here. We're family. Welcome to Olive Garden. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Your uh, most recent, what was it? Was it an Instagram? Was the most yeah, recent it was the Instagram one post? He, it's the one that went super viral because I I, I I thought it was hilarious. Mission first put it out, and then you, he posted on his story like yesterday and was like hit a million. I was like, damn, I didn't know it hit a million. So Yeah, that like, shit popped off. It was crazy. I've been, I've been trying to work the algorithm for a while now and just shooting out different types of stuff and uh -huh. seeing what sticks. Because I got like 11 personalities in my brain, so I can just write from a lot of different places. Mm -hmm. And I've been putting out a lot of shit that they don't really go together, a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And then it was motivational for a while, and then some of them were just funny. Turns out the most marketable uh, part of the algorithm is just being like, hey, I'm gay. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> the, the government's just trying to turn everyone gay. And... Um, I, they're, they're just trying to fluff up the algorithm with it. <laughs> and the algorithm is tricky, too, because I feel like it's just, like, it's never the same. It's always, like, moving different ways. So that's, like, the hard part of, like, trying to catch an algorithm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is it is kind of moving. Actually, I don't even know what I'm talking about, though. I don't even know how any of I don't think anyone does knows how that works. But it, that clip hit 1.4 million. And, like, when I log into my Instagram, it's, like, 1.2 million accounts have been reached by you or yeah. something like that i'm like that's kind of crazy yeah and I, I, it was it was wild having feeling a, a clip go past a million but it wasn't like that crazy it was just yeah. like huh all right well and then what like what is yeah. this what is this <laughs> what happens now and i uh i didn't get too many followers from it really because yeah. I, I was gonna be my next question like did you grow a lot from it or Anything like that? Maybe but. a couple hundred. Okay. But I, I've also been actively deleting. <laughs> Some dude, like, bought me fake followers. Ah, uh, so I swear to God, I didn't do it myself. So you're, like, trying to, like, do the, like, clean scrubbing, like, removing and stuff like that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The whole, like, caring about Instagram, uh, I, I really think it's stupid. But, like, it's not at all because you got to care about mm -hmm. it. It's part of business. But it's just, like... It's like if you were working construction mm -hmm. and they just came out with this new tool and it's very useful, but it's just like a hot pink dildo. Mm -hmm. It's like <laughs> this yeah. damn like, but you know, you got to get the you job gotta, done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Instagram's just a dildo wrench. Basically. Yeah. It's just, it's very important in today's age and for what we're all trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of it's like your resume to the world social media it it allows people like when they see you when you meet someone and then they add you and they see that you have like a history of posting and like views and stuff mm -hmm. it kind of it almost gives people like a trust in you that like you're not just some random person off the streets so, like you have there's stakes or like mm -hmm. people know you exist or something mm -hmm. it's kind of like a like a I don't know. It 
I'm still trying to understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, like, a- after this, you're going to a comedy show. But, like, I guess Theo Vaughn and Drewski, like, that, like, Instagram helped them become maybe not Theo. I don't know much about Theo Vaughn. He knows more about it. At least Drewski. Like, that helped, like Instagram just helped him so much just like, to get where he's at now. Or like people I don't know that who make, that is. Drewski? Cool. So it didn't help him enough. Really? <laughs> wow. wow. He's pretty much... Maybe if you saw a picture of him... Um, I, but he's he's not he's not like an is he, is he a comedian? Yeah, he's like the, the like a bigger black guy that like was with Jack Harlow. Does that ring a bell at all? Really? Who's who's some of your favorite comedians? Um, Shane Gillis right now. He's hilarious. Doug Stanhope is my all time favorite. Oh, I, I've seen that guy. Yeah, that guy's a comedian. I thought he was a rapper. No, he j- he hangs he, out with he, a lot of rappers. He's just rappers. he's like a he's like a skit comedian, not yeah. like a stand up comedian. Oh, okay. Like kind of like a Trevor Wallace, like a like, black Uncle Laser. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's just a skit comedian, and he just Instagram just blew him the fuck up, and then next thing you know, he was just hanging out with the most known people in the world. Mm-hmm. I guess going into that, like the different levels of comedy, like kind of what, what is your kind of lane? Are you like trying to do more stand up? Are you trying to do like more skits? Are you trying to do like more edgy jokes? Like, I guess, where do you see your lane? Uh, I, as far as comedy is concerned, I just, I just love doing stand up, mm-hmm. just being able to like control a room and just making people laugh, man. It's, it's so fucking fun and cool. And just to be like, up there, just when it's going well, uh-huh. and they're just hanging on to your every word and just laughing at everything you're saying, it's like that's when I feel like I'm most myself, and I'm mm-hmm. just like I can just say whatever, mm-hmm. and I don't have to worry about the implications of like. There's a lot of shit I say on stage that I wouldn't say in real life. Yeah, yeah. And up there, it's like art. Yeah, yeah. Because comedy kind of like gives you a past, kind of. Oh yeah, for sure. Because like going into a comedy show, you like you can't be offended by anything like you're going to a comedy show like you have to expect yeah some kind of derogatory stuff being mm-hmm. said like you can't be offended easily by anything mm-hmm. like that's the whole point of like a comedy show and like that's how comedians are yeah like if if i worked my whole career just to go up and offend one specific group of people <laughs> they, <laughs> everyone would just have to let that happen yeah 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 uh, otherwise you risk crumbling the entire infrastructure of comedy but i would like to do more skits just because of the reach yeah and i mean i have a lot of funny ideas already but i just i never think of it in like skit form but i have been doing this thing recently where i got up to i had like 800 youtube subscribers when i started this Uh Mm -hmm. now i'm over 1600 and what i've been doing is basically telling my dog jokes like YouTube Shorts has a a Vine style of recording where you hold down the button. So I'll just hold it down on me saying something. I'll flip it around on his face, and then I'll say something, and that'll be the punchline. And then it'll bomb, and it'll just be like my dog, just like I'm looking at you, my dog. <laughs> and I could just say anything, man. I put like it's got to the point where I put in such minimal effort into making these. I don't even know what is going to happen until I press record and then I just wing it and then they'll get like thousands of views and I'll get like 30 subscribers in a day. So I've just been pumping those out doing like 15 of those days. They're all really stupid. Sometimes they're funny, but I don't How challenging is that? Just like grabbing your phone like, "All right, fuck it, here goes nothing." and just bam, record. It's super easy, man. And a lot of my a lot of what I look for in life is efficiency based. Mm-hmm. I look 
for how I can get the maximum results with the minimum amount of effort. And for the most part, yeah, there's always going to be some level of effort, but it is possible to minimize it in such a way to where you can leverage your time better. I mean, that's essentially what every successful entrepreneur does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, instead of trading their time for money, make try to figure out how to make their money work for them so mm -hmm. that they can utilize their time to build new skills. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, I guess, making your own skits before you even shoot it would be funnier than, like, I guess, some of the dumb ones you said? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm. Uh, Do you think that's harder, though? Yeah. Yeah, and there's also more pressure because if I, like, actually try and then it flops and I'm like, well, I'll just put on all this effort for nothing. Mm -hmm. yeah. So That's true. I, I will, I'll say this. Once it starts getting to the point where I actually have a legit following, I would switch that up. Mm -hmm. This, this low level spammy humor content is acceptable for where I'm at now. But like, you know, if I got like millions of subscribers, I'm not, it would be disrespectful at that point. Yeah. It would just be like, I'd be making money off that. So, yeah. But like, fuck this. This I'm doing this for free. You get what you pay for. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, no, true. Uh, I don't know if like, since, uh, was Steel Vaughn the same way? Was he like on Instagram and that's how he blew up? Or was he already just. Well, it's crazy. It's how I found out about him is from podcasts. Like, cause I'm, I, you know, obviously we have a podcast and like, I just listen to those and. I just found him on there and I was like, bro, he is hilarious. And then when he interviews people, like he conducts an interview, but he's telling jokes the whole time and he's, he's just funny. So I was just like, all right. Then I was like, oh, he's obviously a comedian. And then he does stand up, goes on tours and whatnot. So, I mean, I feel like you can have that route. I feel like, cause I mean, you look at Peyton and Cam, like they're technically comedians, but they have a podcast and then uh, doing skits or doing stand-up, I feel like there's just so many ways to enter it as opposed to the traditional route was doing stand-up, doing stand-up, maybe going on tours, and then maybe you get recognized by talent and then you kind of become like a George Lopez or Dave, Chate Dave Chappelle, maybe get on a TV show. So now it's different Movies with the and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. I think when it comes to becoming a successful stand-up, actually doing stand-up is like the least important like media format to like grow. Really? Which makes no sense. Well, I mean, because it's, it's just math. You know, you can only talk to so many people per show, mm -hmm. however many is in that room. But, like, whatever's online is, you can you reach can everyone. You reach everywhere, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, how long have you been doing um, comedy? Uh, I've been doing comedy for, like, over seven years now. Would you say um, it's for people who are, like, getting into it now, it's, been, it's a lot easier for them to do it now than it was, I guess, back then? Well, in Austin, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. I, I, well, because Joe Rogan, it, he does comedy here, but did, is that like something? It depends how you measure it. It's easier in terms of your ability to reach more people because of the internet. But there's also probably more competition than there's ever been. Because being a comedian is like the easiest, best job ever. You just... <laughs> do a bunch of drugs and then go talk about it and make jokes. And that's, that's pretty much it. Hmm. When Joe Rogan came here and does his comedy thing, is that like for just him or can like anybody get on that? What? Joe Rogan. 
Because he because he lives in Austin. Can I get on what his the little comedy thing he does? Because he hosts like a well, I don't know if he hosts, but he little has like, comedy thing he does. You mean the comedy mothership? Is that what it's called? Yeah. No, I I don't follow Joe Rogan that way. I just know that he really. Has, yeah, I don't I don't really follow Joe Rogan like that. But you like comedy and UFC. I wouldn't say like comedy because I don't watch comedy like that. But I do want like UFC. Oh, uh, you're not that big of a comedy fan. No. Okay. I mean, I'm a big like if it's on, I'm gonna watch it and listen to it, and I enjoy it. But I'm like go out of my way to like watch some form of comedy. Like I don't just go and watch like if somebody has like a stand up coming to Austin, I'm like oh, I'm gonna go watch him. Or if somebody had something released on HBO, I'm like oh I'm gonna go watch that. Like if it's on, I'm gonna watch it. If it's not, oh well. Yeah, dude. I used to I used to get home from school every day and put on Comedy Central, and I would just watch hours of stand-up every day. I, I didn't, I never did that. Like, I never watched, like, consistently the Dave Chappelle show. Do you think we have innate passions we're drawn to from pre-birth, or are we just collages of our childhood experiences? That is a good, a good question, because uh, did you play sports growing up? No. So, like, I guess, like, we like playing sports growing up, we did that, but it's, like, obviously we always like gamed or watched like a ton of movies or like TV and we're kind of not in that realm, but I feel like that creative expression, like the only thing I would say for me, at least that like sports has helped with is just being able to like know how to work and like be accountable and things like that. But like the creative expression, like I feel like that does come from what you experienced as a kid, you know? Yeah. I would say we're collages of our, of our childhood. Cause I mean, you just, you grow up as a kid, then you see something you like, and then you just continue like that, like pretty much the rest of your life. And obviously, like I grew, I'm a long, I'm wearing UT stuff, so I grew up a Longhorn fan. And I'm gonna like UT the rest of my life, and I'm gonna watch UT and wear UT. And then, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a Cowboy fan, so same thing. I'm just gonna watch and cheer them on the rest of my life. So I think it's just I I, I feel like we're collages of like what our childhood was, because that's like where you start liking stuff, and obviously you pick up new stuff. Growing up, um, just because there's some stuff you just didn't have access to as a kid, but I feel like for the most part, your your core self is stems from your kid, being a, when you're a child. We're just a bunch of we're just a big old <laughs> DNA and memory soup. <laughs> is that what you think? I guess. Yeah. Life's weird. It is. It is. There's a lot of deja vu moments in life. Yeah, man. Deja vu moments are crazy. I'm just like, definitely I think did that. The key to life is to not think that much. Mm-hmm. Like that thing I just did. Mm-hmm. That- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw you looking around and analyzing. You're you like, start hmm. looking for answers and you realize you didn't want to ask those questions. Uh, you can't look into the void without the void looking back at you, you know? Yeah. True. And my problem is I think too much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've gotten better at thinking less yeah sometimes that, uh, you just gotta do it yeah sobriety helped a lot with that i started smoking weed again but life's just too uh, i understand <laughs> no for sure i understand so uh, uh, i'm not i don't say that i'm sober now okay. by the way i'm not like i'm sober but i smoke weed. no i'm not sober but i'm only smoking weed and before that i took i did dmt like a hundred times in a month Jesus Christ. Oh my gosh. I, I, I was very excessive about psychedelic usage. Really? And it got to the point where like, I was just looking for answers, man. I just wanted to see what the whole world was about and the universe and everything and just 
peel back the veil on reality mm-hmm. and, and take a look at the motherboard. And uh, I don't know, part, pretty much figured it all out, and it, it's kind of fucked up, and I don't want to think about it anymore. So I just went sober, and that the combination, it wasn't just being sober that that really tied things together. It was being sober combined with distracting myself through like work and exercise mm-hmm. for long enough to where mm-hmm. when the thoughts would creep back in, it would be like midnight and it's like, oh, it's bedtime. Mm-hmm. And then I just go to sleep and then just fucking push it all off until the end and then you don't have time for it and eventually it just kind of withers away. Because mm-hmm. I remember when I first met you, like you were just telling me like you had just recently been sober. I think you were like uh, maybe a month sober at that time. And um, it's cool to like just see like your progress because I remember you. I was just like, so how are you like dealing with <laughs> cool that? Cool to see like, your downward spiral. Nah, nah, nah. nah. <laughs> but it's, it's, I remember I'll, when I met you and you weren't a fucking loser. <laughs> <laughs> now look at you. Nah, but it's rooting it, around in the gutter. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's been cool to see like um your progression and you know just because you were like I I do mixed martial arts and I tell jokes and then obviously you work on your business which you'll get into later and that's kind of been like your focus on all that. So I guess too, um, when you decided to go sober, um, is that when you went to Thailand and kind of had your journey over there? Yeah, pretty much. Thailand was like, there's like 10 reasons why I went. And uh, a big one was, I just wanted to, it was kind of like a suicide mission. I was like, I think I'm just going to go out there and just blow my brains out somehow. And then I I was like, knowing full well that I would work it out, Mm -hmm. but just that was the thought in the moment. And there was a bunch of other stuff going on. I was trying to get off antidepressants, which I had only been taking for like a year. Mm -hmm. I've always been anti-antidepressant. And then I was like, I'll try them out. And then it seemed like they worked. I don't know if they worked or if my life just got better. It's, It's hard to... It's hard to dictate what problems in your life are manufactured in your mind and what are actually there. So I think it's probably just a safe bet to just assume it's all in your mind mm-hmm. just because that gives you more control. But I, I was uh, I was stressed about money and stuff, and I was like, I'm just going to go calculate how long I can live off my savings in Thailand. And th- th- There was a lot of reasons I went, but... Basically, I wanted to like go through the the suicidal withdrawals, mm-hmm. just like away from people. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to just be a bummer, and I wanted to binge eat food, and it's very cheap over there. Mm-hmm. And also, when you're withdrawing from Simbalta, you get like brain zaps, to where you just be like sitting there and you're like, ah, what the fuck? Like it feels like your brain gets electrocuted. And then I don't know. I didn't. I didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Over there, I mean, it was it was cool, but I, I, I wasn't like going there to have a good time. Yeah. I was going there to get over some shit, which I totally recommend. If you're going through some shit, fucking deal with it on vacation. Go really? go to paradise and go figure your shit out. It's it's hard to be not grateful. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that makes that. sense because when you're here, you're still kind of around it, and then mm-hmm. when you're somewhere that you don't know, not that you're uncomfortable, it's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and you just gotta. Get through this shit. I'm sure you were just and like MIA too, like kind of off the grid and not like talking to people and stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> for for most of the days. Uh-huh. And also, it, th- there's kind of like a. Like people's perception of you kind of shapes you. So it's like I, I knew all these people here that have like an idea of who they think I am mm-hmm. and they expect me to be this certain way, which is kind of like restricting my movements and I can. 
like feel them as like fingers on a plasma ball that's like directing my energy. And I was just like, I want to just see how it feels to just get rid of all that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for the, for the most part, the whole time in Thailand, I was just like, dude, I fucking miss everybody. I want to go home. Mm-hmm. How long but, were you there? Like three months, two months. Damn. That's a long ass time. Yeah, it was, it was a while. My plan was I was going to go out there, get a one-way ticket with the thought in mind. See, because I think so deeply and calculated about everything that I have to, like, trick myself. So I was like, I'm going to go out here. And then I had a little plan that didn't come to fruition. But basically, I ended up getting stuck out there for, like, a month because mm-hmm. the flight, the return flights were just too expensive, mm-hmm. which was part of my plan. I had a brief thought, and I was like, I'm going to forget it so I can fool my future self. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, go ahead. And because uh, it's like, uh, are we hitting that thirty minute no, mark yet? Well, you, you yeah, have like, uh, like yeah. five minutes. You're good. If you want to finish your thought. Yeah, because in a way, so, something I like to do that if if I'm feeling down, mm-hmm. I'll do this thing called dopamine fasting, where I'll restrict my diet, social life, exercise, water intake. I'll just basically mildly torture myself to an extent for like a, a day or two. Mm-hmm. And then when I decide to snap out of it and wake up, then I hydrate, eat, exercise. I go be around my friends. And I just blast myself with that surge of, like, all of this good stuff happening Mm -hmm. that it, like, snaps me out of a downward spiral. Interesting. And and, uh, kind of what made you, like, want to try that out, I guess? Like, what was, like, your thought process coming to that? I guess it was... I've had a lot of women say that, like, I self-sabotage relationships. Mm-hmm. And I was always like, no, 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 I'm just, I'm traumatizing myself so I can grow and become stronger. <laughs> <laughs> so it was always kind of like a, a thought that I've had that, like, you need to, like, punish yourself in mm-hmm. a way to grow. And women will tell you that's not true. But if you're a woman, you should listen to them. But the advice, <laughs> you, can, you can't take advice like that. You can't, like, switch genders on advice like that. Too like, mm-hmm. like I've been dealing with lately the thought of between, like letting the universe take control and just mm-hmm. trusting in God and just mm-hmm. letting things flow, and being like, no fuck this, I'm gonna like bend reality mm-hmm. to my will, and that's like the feminine masculine dynamic, because men should like we should all be like stressed out like bro I need to get fucking rich. Like, mm-hmm. or the rest of your life's going to suck. You have to worry about that. You can't just be like, I'm just going to be free. But if you meet a chick that's like, oh, I need to be a fucking billionaire. You're going to be like, bro, I'm not fucking dating you. Like, have fun on your <laughs> corporate journey. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not really here for, for that. So you want to meet a woman that is like, yeah, just trust in the universe. And then you're like, hey, what's up? I'm the universe. <laughs> yeah, basically, I th- there's a time and a place for trusting in the universe and taking control of the universe because sometimes the universe plan for you is it sucks (laughs) sometimes the universe wants you to be homeless and starve to death that happens sometimes but you got to be stronger than the universe and that's why it's it's a difference between being happy and being successful there's a lot in common but like financially successful you don't you're not going to get there by just being like well life is amazing like you got to you Go gotta think about blowing your brains out. You gotta you gotta be stressed. Mm-hmm. You gotta think you're gonna be on the streets next month. Mm-hmm. That's the fire that you gotta have inside you that 
keeps you going and keeps you moving. Because without that, if you're just comfortable and just happy with where you're at, then you're just complacent and you're not growing, you're not building anything, you're just maintaining. Which, that, that may sound cool for a lot of people. Like, I've been thinking about Mike Tyson lately, about how he went from being the heavyweight champ to like now he, he doesn't box anymore. Mm -hmm. And you can tell that like weighs on him. And he says it, mm -hmm. how he used to be the champ and now he's like just some guy. But he's, you've seen the avenues he takes to turn that around by like all these companies he's investing in mm -hmm. and like doing all this weed stuff. And he's got, I see on Instagram all the time, he's like got all these new business deals. And it's just that, that fire to push and stay relevant. He's probably made more money in the last year than like ever. You yeah. know, mm -hmm. I'm basing that off absolutely nothing. I don't know if that's true. It's but, probably true. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, he started a big weed company. He's a giant drug dealer. That sounds like a recipe for success. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's cause, and I'm pretty sure he's in California, and it's Mike Tyson. So, of course, you're just going to oh, shit, it's Mike Tyson. Yeah, Don't buy your it. Name, your name holds. <laughs> you're just going to buy it. It's another thing I've been thinking about lately is branding. And mm -hmm. I've, been, I've been working on branding myself, you know, just like all those clips I've been releasing and stuff. But like you got to be the best at something for for it to really hit, and it it kind of sucks doing it without being the best at anything yet, and just like, hey, you should listen to me. But like, why though? Yeah. You know. But there's so many other people that are bullshitting out there. I don't like feel bad about it. But I, at first, I was like, I don't know if I could do that clip stuff. Like, I don't have the the resume to back it up. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, ah, neither do a lot of these people. Mm -hmm. Fucking, I'll build it. Yeah, and like, I, I've done a lot more than a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that's just how you're supposed to start. I mean, you just got to start, and that's how you. Yeah, a lot of people just it. start. They turn on the camera, start talking, and then, like you said, I mean, even though you probably didn't grow as much as you would think from a clip hitting a million views, you still are. You put it out, it hit a million views. So it's like maybe the algorithm starts putting out more of your content. Maybe people are like, oh, if they go to your page, oh, he has a clip with a million views, like. All right, he must be doing something right. Because, I mean, that's how I look at it, too. Because we've been doing content for four and a half years. And, I mean, we've never had anything even hit, like, 100K. Maybe a couple things. But, like, a million views, it's like, you know what I mean? So, you just got to start, too. Because, like you said, branding is huge. There's people that, you know, you get on social media. And, like you were saying earlier, Instagram, like, kind of is your resume. But there's also people who have huge businesses million dollar businesses but only have like a thousand followers two thousand followers maybe they just want to be private or you know separate that build up their business or whatever but i also feel like people recognize your face they're like okay for me if i see you i'm like oh stand up does mixed martial arts and then has a super dope like cricket protein company you kind of brand yourself as that and then you just walk around and like oh that's eli he does all these things yeah, sorry for having to making you have to remember all that. Nah, it's easy, <laughs> easy, easy. I mean, that also shows it's like what resonates too, and then it's also cool to like put everything together. I remember we went to Pouch Chicks the first time. Shout out the guys over there. They were talking about your cricket bars, and I hadn't even met you yet. And then like, and then I meet that you was at last Ma year. Then I, yeah, then I meet him at Matt's dinner, and I'm just like, oh, this is great. Like everyone's like kind of in that same spider web network. It's we're all trying to do the same thing essentially. So yeah, I fucking love Austin, man. I mm -hmm. love how connected everyone is, and how I everyone's dope yeah everyone's dope everyone's dope mm -hmm. I don't have problems with anyone ever no. everyone I meet I like which 
is not something I've always said. Mm. That's like an Austin thing. Yeah. I've only met in Austin. I like because it's like you got your LA, which is like snobby. Same thing with like New York, and it's like really fast. And then you got Texas, where I mean Austin is just like for the most part everybody's happy, everybody's willing to like be cool with you and whatnot, and give you time of day, and don't have many assholes here. Yeah, it's because everyone's kind of like a friend of a friend. Yeah. So if someone introduces you, then you they already have like the verification of that person. So there's like a there's like layers of acceptance. I think. Yeah. Since I'm Cam's friend and y- y'all are friends, now you're my friend because yeah. Or if just, Cam accepts you, I'm gonna accept you. Yeah. Yeah. Just like I liked him because I liked. Matt, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, I'm probably gonna like you as mm-hmm. soon as I walked in. I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah. So, like, I, it's not a conscious thing, it's just, yeah, mm-hmm. just how it is, yeah. yeah. Well, subconsciously, it's like that's how it is, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Or, or where are you originally from? Here? Southern California, Southern California, all over Southern California. Okay, when did you move to Austin about three years ago? Nice, and you look back since, no, I don't, I don't miss it, I, I love it here, yeah. We went to um, San Diego. Yeah. This was it this year? That was like that was that was like two years ago now. What? Yeah, because I mean I've been to San Diego twice and L.A. twice, and I like San Diego a lot. L.A. is, I mean, I mix emotions about L.A. Like, I it's it's cool, but it's not somewhere I'd live. It's like a I'd go there for a week for work, come back type deal for me. That's how I look at L.A. I I hated L.A. because of the traffic. That's really it. (laughs) People were cool. Gosh. People are people like oh L.A. sucks. They just they're shallow and mm-hmm. they only care if you're good looking. And I'm like yeah, that's why I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's the shitty thing about Austin now is the fucking traffic. It's like, Dude, yeah, literally you just text oh, me. Oh man, <laughs> it's getting so bad just because so many people are moving here and just the the roads just aren't big enough. Yeah, yeah. I was driving over here mm-hmm. sober. I was like <laughs> I'm gonna be sober on this podcast, and then uh, I missed one turn. And then added on like 10 minutes and I had to fucking just sit and stand still. Mm. And I was like, you know what? Hit the old pen. <laughs> I ain't doing shit else. Cranked up some system of a down. Mm. Worked <laughs> nice. through my anger. Except I didn't. I was using drugs. I'm fucking up right now. See, I'm this is this is a relapse. I'm in the middle of a relapse. I've been relapsing for a month. I just on weed, only weed. Uh Delta 9 edibles, they're legal. You can buy them at the smoke shops here. But this is the the top rock bottom I've ever hit. This is like I've done a bunch of other drugs mm-hmm. when times were rough in the past. So I'm still I'm still at the top of my game, at the bottom of my game from last week, so or last month. So it's it's still uh, it's still progress. Was well, I was gonna ask you two questions. One, what'd you learn about yourself while you're in Thailand for those two to three months? And then two why why'd you choose to go back to weed? Why'd I choose what? To go back to weed. Just to keep uh start smoking again. Um <clears throat> So I've been I've been to Thailand a few times. Mm-hmm. The the most recent time what I learned about myself. Um I guess that I'm not that special and I'm extremely average in the grand scheme of things. And then why I quit smoking, why I started smoking weed again was because uh, I was angry and wanted to fight everyone. 
Didn't. Never did that. I never do that. Mm-hmm. I always keep it cool. But the thoughts are in there, and they're they're disrupting. Mm-hmm. Is that just like a mellow for you? Like it just chills you out? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It got if I get high enough, I'm like too scared to even fight. I'll be like, "What can we fight tomorrow?" <laughs> do you like meditate or anything? I was doing that for a while. I need to get back on my sober streak, man. Uh, things were going really well. Everything was going great. Do you feel like a difference in your body and your mind when you're like completely sober? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but like I was saying, it's it's not the sobriety that was so helpful, but the the activities I had to do to stay productive. So instead of like, I'm going to get high and stare at a wall and listen to music and laugh about how short a tree is, <laughs> I'm going to go train or go work on my business and just always just staying busy with stuff that like I care about mm-hmm. yeah. that I want to make happen. Like I'm working on a, a new business right now. I'm drop shipping uh, supplements on Amazon. I'm not going to specify too much because other people don't do that. And I'm going to, uh, they must have something figured out. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but I'm just going to put it on the golden cricket store. It's going to be not related to crickets at all, uh-huh. but it's just, it's looking like the crickets are going to be more of a, a long haul thing. And like, I'm still getting, when I run ads, people are like commenting like that I'm working for Klaus Schwab and I'm, <laughs> part of the global elite and trying to enslave humanity. And on one hand, <laughs> on one hand, uh, like that sucks because mm-hmm. I want money because I need food to eat so I can live. And then on the other hand, I'm like, well, hey, look, America's taking a stand. It's like, I'm kind of like, I'm proud of you guys. But also, fuck, dude. <laughs> I need money. Well, I wonder if like people are like that because I that made made me immediately think of like the Liver King. Like he's like jacked, like super good in shape. He's selling like liver products, and you don't hear people just like eating straight liver products. But obviously, he was like on on roids and like all that stuff. So, and he claimed it was really just that he claimed he was like natural. I feel like if he was like, oh yeah, I take steroids and stuff, then like I don't think people would have been like, okay, like. Fuck the liver king, but since he like claimed that he was natural by doing the liver stuff, I feel like now people are just like, oh, if I see something new that I've never heard of, like for example, cricket protein, they're like, mm, I don't know, it's not common. So, like you said, probably more of like a long haul thing. But at least for me, my feedback on those is, I was telling him, I was like, bro, I'm not gonna lie, like they're pretty good. Like I like them. Like when you've had them, very good taste. Like the band of chocolate, I think it's fantastic and. I like how much protein they have. And then when you were explaining it, like you were saying like how much water that crickets like hold or retain. And I probably don't know the specifics. You could probably get into it, but well, that was, that was going to be my, my next thing is another reason here is your, is your business you do. It is called golden cricket. Um, obviously in America, it's not a common thing for people to eat crickets, but I don't know what the hell I was watching one day. Probably like Discovery or some National Geographic or something. I don't know, man versus something. But I think he was in Thailand and like they have like like a uh, what's it called kebab or whatever, mm-hmm. but like a crickets on a stick and they, people just eat them. That's where I had it first. Is that where you had it first? Is that yeah. where like the idea just kind of started from? Yeah, yeah. I ate a scorpion when I was in Thailand. How was that? It was delicious. Really? Yeah. And then I did some research. Turns out insects are super nutritious and sustainable. So ever since then, I was 22. It was just a thought that I held or a belief that I was like, oh, yeah, people should eat bugs. 
And it never really came out unless it was a topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. And I just come in with my little fun fact about how they're like mostly protein. And then it wasn't until I started like building a community out in Austin and I had a bunch of people connect in the comedy community, a bunch of people in my martial arts gym, people on my team. And I was like, well, I can make this company. I could sponsor comedy shows. I could sponsor MMA fighters. I could mm-hmm. be putting money back into the communities that I care about. Mm-hmm. And I could also, you know, create this product that's weird and cool and innovative and no one's doing it. And <clears throat> um, I, I, I just, I think my buddy came up with the name Golden Cricket. My buddy d- does the all the artwork for it. Like I... I tell him my vision and then he just like makes it happen. He's a fucking very talented guy. Mm-hmm. And he has another company called Hone, which is a cordyceps matcha blend tea. It's really good. Increases cardio for sure. Like, so he was in involved in that world, the CPG consumer packaged goods, which is what my protein bar is in. And so he kind of got me connected with certain things here and there and I don't know there's a lot of moving parts and it's uh it's it's been a pretty interesting ride it's I'd say my favorite part is probably just like talking to people and a lot of people are really interested in it and intrigued Mm -hmm. and it is interesting because Crickets are 65% protein by weight. They contain all nine essential amino acids. They use 2,000 times less water to produce than whey protein. They're a natural prebiotic. They're high in calcium, magnesium, zinc, iron, potassium. They're high in fiber. They're just... They're just not that uh, appetizing to be eaten raw. Mm -hmm. Or even... I, I wouldn't even eat them like grilled but like powdered up into a protein bar like fuck it man like i love protein bars because i'm always on the go i don't always have time to stop and cook a meal or go to a restaurant so that i'll have like five protein bars in a day i'll just be pulling over at different 7-elevens being like what do we got here check out the label oh it combined less than 10 grams of sugar cool i can sneak in my candy for the day too like, cause I got a sweet tooth. So it's like, it like stems from that. And I was just like, yeah, I want to just create a product from scratch that for a market that doesn't exist and just try to convince everyone that I know what I'm talking about, which is insane. But the most fun things in life are, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a risk. And I got $150,000 in funding seven months in. So, but like everything in life, there's nothing's consistent. Besides the work that you put in, Mm -hmm. which is why you got to maximize your own consistency and whatever you're doing, you got to do it every day. And it, it kind of ties in with like the, you don't, it doesn't get easier. You just get stronger. Mm -hmm. And then you start callousing yourself to all these inconveniences or, or what have you. You start building up strength to perform these menial tasks without being as reactive to the fucking loading screen or the printer not working. And, you know, eventually 
to have yourself a nice little business. And, I, and I'm looking at like some of the stores, like you're in like over 10 stores in the Austin area. Was it like hard to convince those stores to put your product there? Not really. We just, well, I hired my brother to do most of that. Mm-hmm. That was, that was also part of the dream. I was like, I want to put money in communities I love. I want to hire my family. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's been awesome to be able to create these opportunities for people around me. But yeah, it wasn't too hard of a sell. I just, I gave him the script. I, I have a history in sales. I, I'm, I know how a sales script works and threw in a dash of comedy. Like there's, there's like a joke that's part of the pitch, you know, naturally. I just, I just have to make jokes. I don't even mean to a lot of the time, but the, the comedic factor in a business pitch is something no one talks about, but has, I've noticed is pretty crucial for me. Like I get people laugh a few times Mm -hmm. and eventually they're like, all right, I'll buy it, you know? Mm -hmm. And you see so much stuff on business coaching, like how to get that sale and close sales fast. No one's talking about cracking jokes. And I find that interesting because it's worked for me. So basically we we just come in and we just go in and, and say, we're a local business and stuff. And then people want to help local businesses and, um, we're a family business, so that sounds even better. And uh, we offer consignment on some of them, which is like they pay after. Mm-hmm. Which the uh, the ones we do consignment on, those mm-hmm. will get sold out, and then we'll have to replace them. So, yeah, the it wasn't hard to get in, but that's because we just talked to the manager of the store. They're like small stores that aren't corporate chains. Mm-hmm. Like it's I'm easier. trying to get into HEB and stuff, but that's yeah. just. You got to go up like a, a chain of command and I'm not even sure how that works yet. Yeah. Especially cause like, I feel like if this was at a place like whole foods, people are going to go like there people that normally go to whole foods, like will try anything for the most part. So I feel like it would be super successful there, but it's like you said, just getting it there is probably beyond difficult too. Um, I saw that you also have like a protein powder. Is that like also made with cricket or is that just like, Okay, cool. So has that been like helping it move more? Because I remember when we talked, you were saying you wanted like your online orders to be more successful. I don't, I, did you have that product at that time or is that kind of something that's newer? So that's a newer product. So I was not advertising the horchata because <clears throat> we got these bags in and then they ripped. So I paid a bunch of money for all these bags that I couldn't use to put the protein powder in. And uh, it's horchata flavored. Okay. So we we sold some of them like around town and we were like, hey, be careful with the bag. It was, just <laughs> <laughs> it was it was either that or not make money. Yeah. All right. I wasn't I'm not saying that that was good business. Yeah. But I will say that it made us a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Cuz we did like a thousand in sales in the first day or two. Wow. Having that. And that's selling way better. People like that product way more. The margins on it are way higher. It's easy to manufacture. I could do it myself. It's just mixing a bunch of powders together. And that I, the powders is going to be the future. If, if we don't pivot to dog treats also. Mm-hmm. I remember you saying that too. Are they good for dogs? Well, I guess all that stuff in it. Yeah, yeah. It's the that same list of nutrients applies to when dogs eat it too. Well, I mean, going back to what you said earlier, trying to make people believe you know what you're talking about. It's not like you did all, <laughs> remembered all that. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, that, that's crazy. I mean, I guess what's what's been uh, the hardest part about like growing it besides um, trying to sell it to people? Like, I guess have you gotten any negative feedback on it when people have tried the product? No, no, I have not gotten negative feedback from people who have tried the product. Actually, one guy. <laughs> A few guys. Okay, maybe like five people on the bars, mm-hmm. and we've sold like ten thousand. On the powder, zero people. Everyone loves the powder. I don't really like the powder that much, though. I don't, I don't like, I'm not a protein powder guy. I like protein bars. Mm-hmm. This whole thing, the whole point was like, oh, insect protein bar. Mm-hmm. And then the market's like, nah, well, we want the powder. And now I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got to serve what the market asks for. I guess it's just kind of on you, what you think is easier. Because I feel like protein's kind of easier because you just take it. I mean, you could take a bar on the go. I don't know. Yeah, I feel it's like weird. it just depends because it's like, if I'm gonna, if I'm about to work out, I'd rather grab a protein bar and eat that before the lift or whatever. But like with the protein powder, it's that to me, it's like I'll either make it prior, like the night before, to drink it in the morning, or I'll like drink it before I go to bed. Kind of. Yeah, it's like a whole thing, you know man. I mean? You got ingredients out. You're taking yeah, it over it's... the countertop. <laughs> and, but like so many people say that to me, they're like, oh, you know, it's just easier to make a shake. You know, you just put a scoop in. That's not. That's not all that is. That's no. That's one of many scoops that need to go into this concoction. Mm-hmm. You're making a fucking potion. <laughs> but hey, dude, I'm not gonna sit here and argue with my customers. I'm just gonna be like, oh yeah, sure. I'll make. I got more powder for you. Yeah. Buddy. No, that yeah. I'm, I'm probably gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get some of that for sure. How uh, how difficult has it been? Just like making the powders and having the infrastructure to do it, and then just getting the crickets as well. I mean, everything. Everything's been easy except for waiting. Waiting, I've come to realize, is the most difficult part of life. I hate it. <sighs> Me too. I, I refuse to wait often. If there's a line somewhere, I'm just not, not going to eat there. <laughs> if there's... Uh, unless I like have to do something. I just... They say patience is a virtue, but I think that patience is for poor people. I think uh, anyone who wants to be financially successful is not going to be like, oh yeah, I'll wait a reasonable amount of time mm-hmm. to get my money. It's like, no, I want my money now. Mm-hmm. You got to be in a rush. And a lot of the people, there's not a single person that tells me to be patient or like slow down or like rest is okay. No one's telling me that who has more money than me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like always people that are, it's the, let the universe take control yeah. people. Yeah go with the flow like kind of like it'll happen when it does happen but I was, like I was telling him too like with our stuff it's just like kind of you gotta make it happen like you gotta do stuff to make it happen because it's not gonna happen for you he, like you gotta like you yeah. said bro I didn't get here by going with the flow uh-huh. I went here by saying fuck the flow I'm I, I'm grabbing reality and bending it to my will mm-hmm. and But that is exhausting. It takes a lot of energy. Yeah. Sometimes I just want to fucking let the universe take control. Yeah. But not too long, because then it's going to steer you down a bad path, maybe. You don't know what the universe wants for you. It's not always good. There's a lot of bad, mostly bad. True. The universe does have a plan, and that plan is often a shitty plan. <laughs> what were we talking about? Um, You're talking about basically uh, you taking control of, like, you not wanting to wait places and like be places and basically like you think patience is for poor people and then you're like sometimes I want the universe to take over. 
Um, but I was going to bring up, um, do you know Mr. Beast? Yeah. So what he does is his thing is like he works 10 days in a row, busts his ass 10 days in a row or nine days in a row. And then on that 10th day, that's like his rest day. And he'll do whatever he wants. He'll watch anime, eat whatever food he wants, whatever. And then the next nine days, bust his ass. Tenth day comes, rest. That's what he does. That's kind of how I train. Yeah. Yeah, because anyone who trains is like, dude, fuck rest days. Like, you, you got to just be in there all the time. It's very addicting. You just want to be in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's it's just so exciting every day. I just wake up and I'm like, what am I capable of today? Yeah, and just go duke it out with some guy. It's like going back to what you said earlier. It's just for, it's a different type of adrenaline. It's a different type of dope. Like the dopamine you get off of it is just, I, I mean, you can't explain it. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> winning a fight feels better than uh, crushing on a comedy show. I think, but. Like if I if I do great on a show, I'll be happy for the rest of the night. Mm-hmm. Something could throw me off though. But when I win a fight, I'm happy for like days after. You're just on a high, and, and I can't really be thrown off. And it's because of the first of all, you're winning something. You win a fight. That's a win. You know, the, the, at the most basic level. And it's important to create opportunities to allow yourself to win with, with measurable challenges. Like, don't just be like, well, if I drive all the way to Pizza Hut, then I can reward myself with a pizza. It's like, that's too easy. You got to. Yeah. But you got to make opportunities for yourself to get wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to. I mean, yeah, I feel that. Like, I've been using a planner a lot and. If I get hit on my goals, I'll pit like, I don't know, whatever, like just whatever, just to feel like I'm working towards something instead of just like rewarding myself for essentially nothing, you know, because like the work ethic thing, like you said, with Mr. Beast or even with training, it's just like you get so addicted or like addicted to the craft. You're like putting in all this work, all this work, but then you also got to still live your life and take those breaks because sometimes those breaks will cause that breakthrough. You're like, damn. I'm not doing anything. Then I see so-and-so doing something. It's like, let me go do something because they're doing something. Like you're inspired by your friends, your community, your family, or even just your influences doing something. You're just like, dang, all right, I've been chilling for two hours. Let me, let me get back at it. You know? So that's how I look at it. Yeah. Life's lived in seasons. There's time to grow and there's times to sow. And like what you're saying, nine days on one day off. That's, that's pretty solid. That's because I don't I, I don't like taking rest days at all. I, I but what I've started doing within the last few months is I'll allocate a day to where I'll prioritize everything before martial arts. Usually mar- martial arts is number one. First thing I do when I wake up, I go train. Or if it's a later class, then I I will arrange my schedule to make sure that I make it to that first class kind of thing. But I forgot what I was talking about. Um, you're talking about like kind of your schedule and just like how you go about your schedule and like taking days off or finding that time. 
Oh yeah, I'll, I'll I'll like plan out a bunch of other stuff before martial arts, and then by the time I get done with all the other priorities I have to take care of, which are usually more important than having to train. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm like, all right, I'm done with all that stuff, and it's like, oh well, it's too late to train now. So I'll kind of like trick myself into rest days by just putting gotcha. a bunch of work that work I have to stuff. do. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, last thing for me, just goals you have going forward with. It could be MMA, um, cricket, comedy that you have for the last half of the year. I got a lot of goals, man. I want to blow Golden Cricket up to ten million dollars. I want to. I want to make some money off dropping rap music. I want to make. I forgot. Yeah, money off music comedy, too. dude. I had a fucking. I had my eight mile moment last night. Yeah. Yeah. There was this. It was like an open mic for rappers at uh, Flamingo Cantina. I was the only white dude, and. <laughs> I'm in shorts with a mullet and fucking like pit viper glasses on and a t-shirt. Looking I like, like I just, Yeah, I just looked like I ran in from a southerner convention uh, <laughs> CrossFit retreat. Like <laughs> I looked like I was just flipping Confederate tires. <laughs> How did it go? And, oh, I crushed it, man. I went up there. <laughs> I have this song called Dick and a Gun. <laughs> which is about how like you should just go through your life just assuming everyone has a dick and a gun because you don't those are bad things to come across you don't want anyone pulling one of those on you facts so i just <laughs> facts so I'm just like everyone's got a gun and a dick i'm gonna keep it cool and so it's like comedy rap yeah, yeah. It goes dick and a gun, dick and a gun. Everyone you meet got a dick and a gun. <laughs> I just go up there and I'm like, all right, how am I gonna like intro this? Because they let him talk for a little bit before, mm-hmm. just like introduce himself. And I go up there and I'm like, what the fuck's up, Austin? You know, I don't trust a lot of women these days because a lot of these women are men. <laughs> and then everyone laughed, but the people people's face went from like. What the fuck to just laughing, uh-huh. which is, I love when I do that to people because I, I, I can see that I like, can I confuse people because mm-hmm. I just nothing about me makes sense. And if you don't know me and, or if you do, I don't know. But I, I went out, I did the whole dick in a gun song and then like just a bunch of black people were super stoked. And that's the best <laughs> feeling is getting getting validation for hip hop from black people is like it's it really explains the two in the bird two birds in one stone <laughs> no 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 a bird in the bush a bird in the bush is worth two in the hand right so a black guy compliment is worth two white guy compliments mm. gotcha something gotcha. like that okay yeah how long have you been doing that probably like a year and a half maybe two years i don't know i, I just got i always wanted to do all this shit but i I guess I got like the confidence boost by just having a bunch of friends that are like, "Yeah, do it." <laughs> it helps. Yeah, and the, and the friends that I have that encourage it are like my favorite musicians and like like very talented musicians. So like, if anyone says like, "You suck at rapping," which no one says that, but like that voice in my head is like, "Someone's out there," and it, even if that happens, it's like, well, you probably you can't play music, so your opinion doesn't matter. I know people that are great at playing music that think it's good, so. Mm-hmm. That's all that matters. Do you have um, um nah, I guess for me is uh just appreciate you pulling up. I definitely gotta catch one of your stand-ups. Like 
whenever because norm we'll have times where we're not shooting as much but if you're ever shooting on like a weekend or like a friday or anything like that or any day really besides a wednesday i'll swing by and i'll support you bro and are they always at high bro low bro no, no, they're everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. yeah. What's this one in the domain? Isn't there like a comedy? It's a comedy club too. Yeah, it's like right Cap across. City. Yeah, it's right across the street from Fleming's. It's like right yeah, there. Yeah, like I walked by it and I saw comedy and I was like, oh shit, I yeah. guess I got a comedy club here. So, have you been there or no? Yeah, yeah, I've done the funniest person in Austin competition there twice. How'd that go? Well, I didn't. Get, I didn't win anything. Uh, it's. Dang, I didn't. But even I could beat up everyone. In the <laughs> <laughs> there you go, there you go. And tell, uh, tell Matt I said, hey, we'll get him on the podcast. Uh, well, what what is your uh, goals for MMA? This, mm, I, I have a Muay Thai fight in Houston next week. Mm. Oh, okay, I want to beat that guy up, and then I want to, <laughs> and I want to beat a bunch of people in jujitsu. I want. I I, I love jujitsu more than striking at the moment. And I'm, I'm looking forward to doing this Muay Thai fight so I can switch back. Because for the last, like, two years, I've been like, dude, striking is way cooler than jiu-jitsu. But I've been on a good good wave of jiu-jitsu. I lately, don't know. So. Like, having, like, such a good ground game is so beautiful mm-hmm. to me. Um, I know you – I don't know if you don't watch UFC a lot, but if you can go back and watch the Aljamain Sterling-Henry Cejudo fight that was just recent, like, their ground game, they're two of the best probably grapplers in the UFC – um, their ground game, that whole fight was just phenomenal. Like somebody would execute something on offense, but like as soon as like it went like got on the on the back, like the defense was just like there. So like they couldn't like move forward with anything. Like on both ends, it was just beautiful. Nice. Yeah. But um again, like he said, thank you. Taking time out your day. I know you're a busy man. You gotta get somewhere soon. So we appreciate it. Um, thank you guys. A lot. of course, of course. Um but him and I will try to make it out to one of your comedies. For sure, yeah. I'm going to try the Golden Crickets, and then I'm about to get back in the gym soon because uh, I need to lose some LBs. But I'm going to try the protein as well. Um, but he said the, cre- the, the yeah, bars I'll, weren't bad. I love them. Yeah, yeah, uh, he, yeah the yeah. bars were Because he was like, if you – if like I just gave it to you and I didn't Peanut butter, chocolate, banana. Yeah, if I didn't tell you anything about it, like you would not think there are crickets in there. And I was like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to check those out. Um but we're gonna put all your socials in the description. They can go find you everywhere. They can go watch your your viral video. Um, made us that shit was funny. I watched <laughs> it like five times. Um, that shit was funny. Um, but we'll put everything in the description. Uh, I'm gonna show them some love. Give them a like. Um, give them a follow. But that'll do it for your boys over here. Depending day, we'll catch y'all guys next time. Peace. Peace.